Hello there. Hello there, and welcome to episode 70 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new, of course, let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow, reach out to me over on Twitter. I'd love to interact with you there. Shoot me a DM, tweet at me, whatever you've got. Bring your questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, whatever you've got for me to talk about as it relates to Overwatch, the Overwatch League, Overwatch 2, of course, and or video games in general. But enough with all that. We've got a big show to get to, so let's jump on in. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. Now, of course, I also want to encourage you to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, where I sit and occupy the third chair. And of course, we'll have a new episode of Ready, Set, Pwn going up the same day as episode 70 of One Man Watchpoint, where you will be able to hear the official Ready, Set, Pwn power rankings, including my power rankings for the upcoming season five of the Overwatch League. That's right. My votes will be showing up there. I will not actually be talking about power rankings on my own show. Um, I've traditionally never done power rankings on One Man Watchpoint. So it's a special little thing we're doing over on Ready, Set, Pwn as they do them every year. Um, So if you're curious to see how I'm ranking some of these teams, then definitely check that out over there. Now, on today's episode, we are, of course, going to cover... The end of the Overwatch Anniversary Remix, the new hotness on the Overwatch League casting desk for Season 5 of the Overwatch League, and of course we've finally got the down low on the newest hero to join the Overwatch 2 ranks. So without further ado, let's dive on in. The wonders of modern medicine. Now of course, before we get going in there, before we talk about the Overwatch Anniversary Remix Volume 1 final weeks coming up here, I do want to throw us over to a required reading that I've got here. So I'm going to kick things over to ggrecon.com. I'll read just the snippet of this article, but of course this is required reading, so I highly encourage you to go find this article over on ggrecon. Um, I will include a link to it in the description of the episode, just so you can find it easily. So without further ado, let's jump on over to ggrecon.com with an article titled TLDW, Uber on the Precarious Position of Talent in Esports. The video game casting profession has been under attack. Several prominent casters have rung the alarm bell on declining caster rates and dwindling job security while experiencing a lack of transparency. As co-streaming appears to draw in a new audience, tournament organizers and franchise leagues seem to be reevaluating what their talent is worth. In the Overwatch League, the prominent casting pair of Brennan Brenhook and Josh Sideshow Wilkinson had announced that they hadn't been able to negotiate a satisfying solution with communication breaking down in December of last year. One who has been a vocal advocate for casting compensation has been Mitch Uber-Leslie, who sat down with us for a candid interview about the issues in casting compensation, career security, and merits of co-streaming, and where he thinks the Overwatch League is heading. While we know that it can be hard to commit to an hour-long interview, we recommend watching it in full, as the context may otherwise be lost on you. Nevertheless, we have summarized the main talking points. The interview was recorded on March 31st, T22. So... If you go check this out, uh, they do have the video embedded in the article there. Um, Again, you know, if you'd like the summary, sort of the bulleted list of it, then they've got that in the article. That's why I say go go check this out under required reading. Um, 
Yiska does break things down, uh, break down the overall interview quite well there. Uh, just It's a very long bulleted list of all the things they kind of went over. However, again, as the article recommends as well, I do recommend you go check out the video if you've got the time. You know, set that bad boy to uh, one and a half speed. You'll be out of there in 45 or so minutes, uh, and it's about an hour long, and you'll be all set. But really kind of sheds light on uh, the current casting situation and a little bit of what we saw play out when it comes to, um, you know, as Yiska mentions there, the situation losing Brendan Sideshow as a, a casting pair there. And, of course, this also segues nicely into one of our stories, but we're not quite there yet. Before we get there, let's head on over to the playoverwatch.com website, because, of course, we are now moving into the news, and we are entering the final week of the Overwatch Anniversary Remix Volume 1. So, of course, this event runs from April 5th through 26th. So by the time you're hearing this, we are in the final week, which means we'll be on the final week uh, of special events. So... Um, let's see, this episode will be posting on April 20th. So April 20th starts with the Overwatch Halloween Terror returning. So we've got Junkenstein's Revenge and Junkenstein's Endless. Day after that, we get the special uh, Halloween Terror events. After that, we go into Winter Wonderland, then the Overwatch Year of the Tiger, then back to the Overwatch Archives, then into the Overwatch Archives special events. And then, of course, we go back to the Summer Games for the final day, which is April 26th, for Lucio Ball and Lucio Ball Remix. Now, that, of course, also means that week three of the Play to Earn challenges will see you playing nine games to win the Combat Medic Baptiste player icon, playing 18 games to get the Combat Medic and Maugua sprays, and playing 27 games to get the Combat Medic Baptiste epic skin. This is, of course, the... Uh, the epic skin there with Baptiste in sort of a red, uh, white, and teal, primarily white and red uh, outfit. It is one of the better ones, if you ask me. Um, I'm a big fan of this one. I think, uh, although I think week two with the uh, Bastet Ana epic skin was probably the best week for the uh, play to earn skins. Um, I do think this one is the second best. I like it better than the Diva skin that was available the first week. So I digress. Get in there. Get your week three rewards so you can get this skin um and you know celebrate the anniversary of overwatch again uh obviously as this winds down we quite quickly move into overwatch league season five this ends on the uh, tuesday prior to the thursday where we see our first games of the season so get in there get your skins get your wins in um i will admit that this event actually did bring me back to the game i haven't played in quite a while and i did actually jump back in and and have a good time honestly i was a little bit surprised because i have been uh definitely not so enamored with playing the actual game lately uh but i did jump back in there and i was having a blast um so i was pleased to uh pleased to see that and pleased that i enjoyed myself as and of course you know it's it's a good warm-up in case you know in beta invites start going out in case you know you get invited to uh you know into the public beta or, or the the more open beta i guess it's not the full beta but you know you never know maybe maybe you know a certain host of the show who maybe has a beta invite i don't know i don't know maybe maybe you don't maybe you do maybe we'll see maybe maybe once we know if we're allowed to stream it maybe a certain host will be streaming it. i don't know we'll see what happens you never know moving on from there i want to head over to dottiesports.com with an article from april 9th by liz richardson which reads london spitfire parts ways with provide the team is mutually parting ways with the sport player after a quote code of conduct violation 
Less than a month before the fifth Overwatch League season is set to begin, the London Spitfire has mutually parted ways with one of its support players, Owen Provide Warner, according to an announcement by the team today. The decision comes after screen grabs surfaced that suggested Provide sent explicit images and pictures, sorry, messages and pictures to a 16-year-old player in 2019 when he was 20. Quote, we were recently made aware of a code of conduct violation involving one of our contracted players, the team said in a Twitter post. We've mutually parted ways with Provide Effective immediately following the results of an internal investigation. This was, of course, uh, they then have, uh, this was posted on April 9th to Twitter. They, of course, then have the actual uh, screenshot from the London Spitfire embedded, or not screenshot, sorry, the actual tweet embedded from the London Spitfire account in the article there. This is the second time Provide, previously known as Slur, has left an Overwatch League team following a scandal. In 2020, he was dropped by the Los Angeles Valiant after screen grabs surfaced of him using racial slurs in the past. He apologized for the incident and was later cleared to play in the Overwatch Contenders, working his way back up to the league itself. Provide was picked up by the Spitfire last November as part of the team's reconstruction after an unsuccessful run in the 2021 Overwatch League season. Oliver, only Oliver Admiral Vahar remains on London's support roster at the moment, but the team said it's said in its announcement that management is, quote, actively seeking out a support. So, obviously wanted to bring this one up. Um, you know, never good news when we hear these kind of things, but at the same time, uh, good to see the organization taking the appropriate action, um, as is seemingly appropriate in this case. Um, does certainly put the London Spitfire in quite the bind with uh, less than a month to go before the start of the Overwatch League Season 5. And of course, as they mentioned in the article there, um, if I pull up the roster real quick here, they are looking a little bit scant on their roster. They've now got one main support player and no flex support players and no flex DPS players announced either. Somehow, it does seem like they still have a team of six, which is kind of crazy. They've got two tanks, they've got three hitscan DPS, and they've got their one main support. Um, so even with that team, they still do make the minimum, but they've got nobody in that flex support role and seemingly nobody in the flex DPS role. Now, if I'm not mistaken, before Provide was uh, cut, they did still not have anyone announced for flex DPS, but they did have three hitscan DPS. Um, I do suspect that means that the three hitscan DPS, probably one or two of them, would have been charged with flexing over to the flex DPS role. But I digress. This puts their support side of things in quite the bind. Um, you have to also assume, I believe London is playing out of uh, Los Angeles this year to you know combat some of the ping issues and everything like that. So you do have to assume as well that they'll be dealing with uh, finding someone local to North America and probably the U.S., given the visa requirements and given how long that application uh, process can take. Obviously, we see many teams that sign a player, or at least last year even, signed a player and then didn't even see them play because visa statuses took longer than expected and longer than hoped. Obviously, a great example of that is Pine, who was signed to the Dallas Fuel, and we never actually saw a play. So anyways, as I mentioned... Uh, good to see London taking appropriate action uh, on their team. Just a shame that uh, they are now going to be in a bind to find a suitable replacement. Moving on from there, we're going to stay with .esports.com. We're also going to stay with Liz Richardson. This time on April 11th, we're going to look at an article here called Overwatch League Introduces 2022 Talent Lineup Features Several Former Contenders. 
With less than a month to go before the Overwatch League's fifth season kicks off on May 5th, the league has revealed one of the final puzzle pieces of a functional esports broadcast, a stacked talent team. While veteran casters, hosts, and analysts will be returning to the mic this year, they'll be joined by a number of new faces who have kept Overwatch Contenders fans entertained over the past years. The league's full talent lineup heading into the 2022 season is as follows. Zoe Gushwind, Danny Lim, Scott Custa-Kennedy, Jonathan Reinforce Larson, Matt Mr. X Morello, Mitch Uber, Leslie, Seth Achilles King, Kevin Avril Walker, Jack Jaws Wright, Rosemary Necra Kelly, Jennifer Lemon Kiwi Pichette, Harry Legday Pullet, Tom Trid Underwood, Victoria Vicky Kitty Perez. Fans will notice that the Overwatch League's desk remains unchanged with host Zoe Gushwind once again organizing the action alongside analysts and former pro players Custa and Reinforce. Analyst and bilingual interviewer Danny Lim will also be bringing his talents back to the desk. Uber and Mr. X, the league's most veteran casting duel, will be returning for their fifth year of breaking down Overwatch League action. East region enthusiasts Avril and Achilles will be repeating their roles from 2021, likely bringing fans through games from the APAC region once again. Fans of Overwatch contenders, the league's tier 2 esports scene, will likely be overjoyed to see longtime casters Leg Day and Lemon Kiwi finally make it to the Overwatch League stage. They both have nearly five years of experience in the Overwatch ecosystem and also lent their talents to the Overwatch World Cup in 19. Jaws and Vicky Kitty are familiar faces for fans who caught games in 2021, but they've been mixed together with more of the best talent from the Overwatch contender scene. Necra, a longtime contenders caster with history in the competitive Pokemon scene, will partner with Jaws this time around. Vicky Kitty will join stalwart contenders expert Trid for the Overwatch League this year. Though new talent is always exciting, Overwatch League fans may miss a few of the game's most iconic faces. Brennan Brenhook and Josh Sideshow Wilkinson announced earlier this year that they would not be joining the broadcast due to contract issues. Veteran caster Andrew ZP Rush also said last month that he did not receive an offer for 22 seasons. So, there you have it. That's the talent lineup. Um, obviously, looking at this lineup, I don't think there's any real surprises on the desk. We obviously see Zoe, Danny, Custa, and Reinforce coming back. Um, I, I truly think that, you know, given the conversation that was floating around when uh, Bren and Sideshow were announced and sort of given a lot of the silence that you saw uh, from some of these people, I think it was pretty obvious that all of these guys were coming back. Uh, all of these folks were coming back, sorry. Um, you know, we did see a little bit of uh, uh, of them speaking out against what was going on and against, uh, you know, the treatment that Josh and Bren said that they went through. However, at the same time... Um, we also see someone, as we know, like Mitch, speaking out quite vocally against them, or Uber, I should say, um, as was noted in the required reading that I mentioned. So, regardless, uh, lots of good news here. I dig the desk, that's for sure. I'm glad Danny will be coming back. He was probably the only question mark um, as he was sort of returning last year and then uh, the year prior. I don't believe they had him, which was, I believe, COVID year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know what his time at this point. Um, but anyways, good to see he's coming back. And then moving on to the casting pairs, Mitch and Matt, not surprising there, just given, you know, Matt literally works for Blizzard at this point. Um, Mitch also being one of the more vocal ones. I don't think it was a surprise to hear him coming back. Um, 
The rest of them, although I would say definitely a little bit more on the surprising side, just given the unknown state of things. Um, Jaws, awesome to hear him coming back. Necra, I actually have never heard of, I don't think. Um, I've looked into her since hearing the announcement and everything like that, but just not following the contender scene, I haven't really heard too much about her. Obviously, Achilles and Avril, great to see them returning. Um, I do follow, or I did follow already, Lemon Kiwi, Leg Day, and of course, Vicky Kitty. Um, Vicky having done a little bit of the Overwatch League as well. So exciting to see them making the jump. And then I'd never actually heard of Trid either, so um, good to see some unfamiliar faces in my opinion as well. Overall, great that the scene is growing um you know too bad that seemingly they had to lose a couple of uh a couple of veterans for this to happen but overall um i can't say i'm upset with this roster moving on from there we're now going to jump over to an article by everyone's favorite aaron spack also known as halo of thoughts on twitter um you know renowned industry leaker if you will um who now works part-time at least for Dexerto. So we're going to jump over to Dexerto with an article by Aaron Spack on April 13th, which reads, Sources, Owl MVP leave among Chengdu Hunters players exploring options for new. So let's take a look here. The Chengdu Hunters could lose a number of key players ahead of the new Overwatch League season as the organization looks at options to balance its books, multiple sources told Dexerto. Sources said that the recent departure of assistant coach Jayfield and the dis abandonment of Team Chaser, Chengdu Hunters Academy team, are both tied to the organization making cutbacks ahead of the start of the new Overwatch League season. Jayfield, who had joined the Chengdu Hunters at the start of the year, may not be the only staff member to leave the organization, with Creed, another assistant coach, also expected to announce his departure, multiple sources have said. But the changes are likely to go beyond the Hunters coaching staff. Star player and 2021 Overwatch League regular season MVP Leave is one of five players understood to be assessing their options with different organizations ahead of the new season. The other players that have attracted interest from rival teams are Supports Eveltal, uh, Nisha, Farway1987, and Monk. It is unclear at this point whether these cutbacks were made, uh, sorry, were mandated by Huya, the Chinese live streaming platform that owns and operates the Chengdu Hunters. The news will come as a blow to the Overwatch League's efforts in China, one of the regions where the game continues to grow in popularity. The grand finals of the 2021 Overwatch League, which pitted the Shanghai Dragons against Atlanta Reign, set a new viewership record with an average minute audience bracket AMA of 1.68 million. In China, viewership of the grand finals increased by 5% according to figures provided by two Forbes by the league. The Chengdu Hunters are slated to face the Guangzhou Charge on May 6th in their opening match of the season. So obviously this is a little concerning, especially given the fact that, as I mentioned, over on Ready Set Pwn, we'll be recording our power rankings uh, literally tomorrow. So um, obviously a little bit shaky when it comes to the uh, Chengdu Hunters there. Currently, I think everyone is ex expecting quite a stellar season from them, um, given their performance last year seemed like uh, after being, you know, something of a joke um, in past seasons, seemed like last year, especially with the addition of leave, they really kind of turned things around. 
um, and we're definitely one of the top performers. Um, so a lot of expectations going into this season. Currently, over on Tank, they have Gaga. Over on Hitscan DPS, they have Aprita. Flex DPS, they have Leave and Jinmu. Main support, they have Nisha and Iveltal. And then on Flex support, they have Faraway and Monk. So obviously, they mentioned there in the article, um, the big, uh, big players being all of the support line as well as Leave. If the team were to lose leave, obviously that would be a huge hit and I think would definitely make an impact. Uh, if they lose most of their support lineup as well, um, that could be very, very bad. Now, obviously there's a bit of a question mark of who would they be going to. Um, certainly the LA Valiant have some holes in their roster right now with Lengsa and Coldest on main support and flex support respectively, but that's it. And then not actually having anyone listed for flex DPS at the ver this very moment. If for whatever reason the LA Valiant could land, leave, and one or two of those supports, that would drastically turn around, uh, I think, what the Valiant season is shaping up to. Not that the Valiant is looking horrendous or as bad as last season, uh, but I still don't think there's a ton of expectation around them, whereas certainly an all-star player like uh, Leave could turn that around. Now, other potential teams that these players could go to, obviously there's Shanghai, there's uh, less likely, but there's Seoul, there's Guangzhou, and then there's Hangzhou. Hangzhou has a nine-person roster at this moment, so it would be pretty unlikely for them to sign anybody. Guangzhou may be looking to fill another person on main support or flex support, given they only have one person in each role, Unique and Molly. Um, but even still, they've got seven people currently and uh, not necessarily a uh, destination team at this point. Um, and then, of course, Shanghai, one of the few teams that remains mostly unchanged from this past season and obviously was a dominant force at the end of last season won the league or the grand championship and of course is looking like they're going to be a contender for the top spot in this upcoming season as well so shanghai certainly if uh if they wanted to i'm sure they could bring someone over they're also sitting at eight players currently they've got two flex dps they've got two flex support they only have legion on on uh, main support so maybe they'd look to add someone there but at the same time they've just got such a tight-knit group and uh obviously such a good foundation already that it's hard to say if they'd really want to throw something new in there on uh, such short notice and with such little time left to go. Overall, my biggest hope is that if the Chengdu Hunters are in fact cutting costs and uh, therefore, you know, cutting some players, my biggest hope would be that we don't see any of these guys go without a home. It would simply be tragic to see any of these players uh, not find a new team to go to. So overall, I just do hope that if they don't find a home, they, you know, stay with Chengdu and hopefully they're not taking too much of a hit on their salary. And then maybe the next season they can negotiate something with another team and hopefully find a new home uh, or, you know, earn their pay. Uh, potentially, if Chengdu wins the league, then maybe they do have the, the salary to uh, retain some of these people on their roster. Um, going into the sixth season and, of course, the second season of the Overwatch League on Overwatch 2. So there you have it. Hopefully we don't hear anything about that um, before power rankings start coming out. I know some people have already started releasing their power rankings, but has the potential to dramatically shift most people's expectations of the Chengdu this upcoming season. Now, moving on from there, we're going to jump on over to... Where are we? Here we are. .esports.com with an article from April 15th, written by Scott Dew. And actually, it plays off of something from the Play Overwatch YouTube, which of course was the 
Overwatch 2 Sojourn developer update. Now, a um, little bit of a note here. There was, I believe, on April 14th, the day before this, uh, this video went up, there was a live stream on Twitch. which featured Briggsy Cakes, Finding Kiki, Dion Rogers, and Jeff Goodman. Of course, the latter two there being on the Overwatch dev team and the uh, uh, former two, I suppose, being uh, Overwatch content creators and hosts. Um, where they did actually sort of do a larger style live stream, I believe it was a little better than an hour long, um, just talking about Sojourn and uh, sort of her development, where she came from, her inspirations, um, that kind of thing, and how she plays, and sort of talking a lot about what to expect with sojourn now that live stream i think again uh the play overwatch team sort of uh stumbles a little bit in finding their in in finding their voice and finding their feet when it comes to how they want to do these things i know they caught a lot of flack for the previous um twitch live stream because everyone not everyone but lots of people were saying well they didn't really show us anything new they all they did was really ramble the whole time you know they didn't really um, give us anything to chew on they just kind of talked and then awkwardly threw it back and forth from developers and they kind of rambled because they know what they needed to talk about and that kind of thing again i think we see a little bit of that um you know i i do think that it's clear that they're trying and i don't blame them for that and i think uh i do appreciate these uh these live streams i think they could use a little more direction and they could also potentially um use a little more production behind them but it is what it is and i certainly don't mind them um, so anyways, I want to jump over to this article, which actually talks about the following day when the Play Overwatch team released a video on YouTube. It was about eight minutes long, and it was a developer update literally just focusing on Sojourn. So it actually saw, just jump over the intro here, on this video we saw Miranda Moyer, who's narrative designer, and Jeff Goodman, who's lead hero designer. Of course, uh, Jeff appearing on the Twitch live stream as well. Um, but it was about an eight-minute video where they just talked about Sojourn, and they actually, it was, you know, cut with clips of not only Sojourn gameplay um, and development, but also uh, a few teases at her backstory, um, you know, showing us uh, they kind of started with the fact that, oh, we actually have seen her introduced prior, um, but then we saw her come back, um, or but now we're seeing her for the first time in new content and getting some of that backstory and a little bit more about her. So overall, I really did like this video a lot more than I've liked the live streams. Um, again, I certainly don't have a problem with the live streams, and I do, in fact, quite enjoy them. Um, I just kind of wish that they had a little more production behind them. I wish that uh, they knew a little bit better what they were uh, wanting to show us or hoping to uh, to go over kind of thing. But anyways, the point I'm making is this eight-minute video did exactly what I was hoping for. I think it was a little more, you know, intimate, if you will. Um, it was a little bit of a closer look, a little bit more directed. And overall, I just felt like everyone, uh, the, the two presenters there, felt a lot more comfortable uh, just talking to the camera rather than being in this live format, which, of course, is what Twitch is. So let's jump over to .esports.com with the article by Scott Dew, where he breaks down what exactly uh, the developers went over in the developer update, which came out the day after that Twitch stream. So, here we go. The Canadian Special Forces Hero has a fun kit. This article is titled, Here Are All of Sojourn's Abilities in Overwatch. 
It's been a long time since a new hero was added to Overwatch, but with Overwatch 2 around the corner, Sojourn is finally ready to join the fight as the game's latest addition to its roster. Sojourn has been teased for several years now, originally appearing in the Overwatch 2 debut at BlizzCon in 2018. But now, we finally have an official confirmation of her abilities and what her full kit entails. In a live stream on April 14th, Blizzard showcased sorry, some Sojourn gameplay and announced full details about her ability set. The damage hero is looking to be a fun new character for players to enjoy once she becomes available as part of the Overwatch 2 closed beta on April 26th. The gameplay video above shows all of the new hero's abilities in action, including her railgun weapon, which is the focal point of her entire kit. The versatile weapon has two types of firing modes, and her ultimate buffs the gun in a cool way. Keep in mind, however, that the abilities could change at any time, especially considering she's a new hero, and Overwatch 2 is only. Several of the game's heroes have received reworks and balancing changes, and Sojourn is likely to experience the same eventually. Here are all of Sojourn's abilities in Overwatch 2 as they currently stand. They've then got a promotional image there that Blizzard released, uh, which has, you know, a nice, nice picture of Sojourn and, of course, outlines her abilities. Railgun, primary fire, rapid firing projectiles that generate energy on impact. Secondary fire, high impact shots that consumes stored energy. Power slide, ground slide that can cancel into a high jump. Disruptor shot, launch an energy shot that slows and deals damage to enemies within. And the ultimate is called overclock. Railgun energy auto charges for a short duration and charged shots pierce enemies. So that's where the article ends. So let's dig in and talk a little bit about these. Now, again, I encourage you to at the very least go seek out this Overwatch 2 dev update video again it's eight minutes set that bad boy on one and a half speed you'll be in and out before you know it um, and you'll get a really good look at uh, what they have going um, for Sojourn I've actually got it playing right now I'm going to crank it to two times speed so we see it even even more as I mentioned there they, they actually do a kind of a neat thing where they do show some sort of um, you know, early footage of some of the, I think, what is going to be the story uh, stuff for Sojourn. So you get a little bit of that, which is awesome. Um, but then they kind of go into uh, sort of the focus of Sojourn, um, you know, where her inspirations came from and that kind of thing a little bit more tightly. Then they also do show actual gameplay of her, um, you know, in a match. We're looking at King's Row right now with her running around shooting her railgun and such. Um, but then they eventually do get into... Uh, sort of test footage of her where where it's more of um, a training ground of her firing at bots and things like that, uh, demonstrating some of the abilities that they mentioned there um, and showing it at the same time. So when it comes to the primary fire, obviously Sojourn looks a lot like a, in a lot of ways, a better Soldier 76, a more equipped Soldier 76. Um, I think she's going to be a pretty welcoming character and I think that's probably what they want to go for with, with a new character. But at the same time, I think she integrates some sort of newer ideas that we see in a lot of these uh, more popular first-person shooters and battle royales these days. Um, things like Apex, things like Fortnite, um, as well as things like Warzone with uh, slide mechanics. So anyways, primary fire is rapid firing projectiles that generate energy on impact. So basically, she's, you know, got an automatic machine gun that she fires, just like Soldier 76, just like a number of other characters. Secondary fire, high impact shot that consumes stored energy. So what's pretty cool about this, and they demonstrate in that video, is as she fires and as she you know lands hits there's actually a little charge that sort of builds on her uh, weapon and that secondary fire releases that that stored energy and does sort of a blast shot which is kind of cool because it, it kind of in a lot of ways rewards you for your accuracy um, and for dishing out damage you know kind of incentivizing her from you know playing in a back or or from hiding out and that kind of thing really incentivizes her to be leading the charge or um, getting really involved in what's going on there. 
Then of course we have the power slide, which is a ground slide that can cancel into a high jump. So this ability is where I say they're kind of seemingly integrating some of these ideas that we see in a lot of battle royales um, and these other uh, first person shooters these days. You know, Call of Duty has had a, a slide mechanic since I think Black Ops 1 was the first one that introduced it. Um, but then of course, uh, Fortnite with their uh, no build mode has more mobility in it. Uh, Apex Legends obviously has a ton of mobility between a number of characters. Um, so this is really kind of something relatively new. I think a lot of the mobility we've seen in the past for characters uh, added to Overwatch, and obviously it's been a while since we've had a character, but have been more um, either more flight focused with characters like Echo. Um, you know, obviously we've got classic characters like Mercy, like um, like Farah, and things like that. Or they've been sort of more of a dash, like uh, like Genji's uh, a double jump, like Hanzo's kind of boost forward jump and that kind of thing. So this one is cool because it is, like I say, taking in some mechanics from some of these newer first-person shooters that we see. She has a slide, but then when she cancels it, uh, she actually blasts into the air kind of thing. So again, uh, you know, talking about uh, more recent characters in uh, Overwatch, we've got, of course, Baptiste's charge jump, which I always thought was a little clunky because... Um, you know, he, he kind of has to, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's always struck me as weird how he crouches down and then boosts upwards, and it's so vertical. Um, I've never found it to be super useful. Like, it's always super apparent when someone's going to use it, and then they kind of just hop into the air, and, you know, they're just sort of a floating target. Where this one seems to have a lot more mobility behind it, um, and a lot more sort of dynamic nature behind it, because it starts with that slide. Sure, you could, you know, slide very briefly and then just launch right away, but you've also got that buildup where you can just let the slide go and then cancel out and that kind of thing. So really looking forward to that one. Of course, we then go into the Disruptor Shot, which reads as launch an energy shot that slows and deals damage to enemies within. So this one's kind of interesting. It almost functions like a um, sort of smaller uh, and probably doesn't last as long uh, um, comparison to May's. Uh, what the heck is her 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 uh, ultimate called blizzard um so they sh they demonstrate this one in the video and it very much is sort of an orb that shoots out and lands on an area lands on a target area and explodes out into a radius that looks kind of like a sort of greenish i don't know dome kind of area um obviously they mentioned that it causes damage where i don't think blizzard does i think blizzard just slows and then eventually freezes i don't know if that's sticking in overwatch 2 i don't think it is but anyways this kind of functions in a lot of ways very similar to that um which does look cool um definitely a solid way to sort of group up a team or or pull positioning um in a in kind of a blend if you ask me of orisa's old halt ability and uh maze blizzard so interesting stuff there um and obviously would be really interesting to see it used in combination with some of sojourn's other abilities you could easily you know throw this down um, or throw it at a point while sliding past them um and popping up to kind of make sure that you're pulling all the targets into a center position and then you're building that charge as you unload on them flying by them etc etc so really kind of interesting there then of course we have the uh overclock ability sojourn's ultimate railgun energy auto charges for a short duration and charged shots pierce enemies so this one um similar in a lot of ways to
at, at least kind of similar to a character like Zarya, where as she's unloading, um, her charge is building, and and as she's taking damage with her bubble, um, her charge is building. But at the same time, a little bit more user-friendly, not reliant on you taking hits to build that charge, which is obviously good. Um, simply reliant on your accuracy, and then of course when you're using this while you're in that, uh, while you're using your ult, of course it's building at a rapid rate um, and much more quickly, so you can use that secondary fire much more frequently to cause some real damage. So anyways, really interesting look at um, Sojourn here, and I should also mention that's not all we actually got a look at in this uh, video here. So again, another reason to go seek out this developer update. We actually saw our first look at, I think, Hammond's new outfit, uh, Wrecking Ball's new outfit. There's actually a great shot at the 4 minute 35 second uh, moment where he is kind of blasted out of his ball and you see the little hamster with his new suit on. He's got a new pair of goggles, it looks like. Um, so I dig that. We also see a brief glimpse at Ash's new look. Um, which is awesome. I think she's got a new haircut kind of thing going. And then we actually also see a little glimpse at uh, Roadhog uh, for the first time. Now this one, you'll probably actually, if you Google Roadhog Overwatch 2, you'll probably be able to find the images. People have been able to pull some freeze frames of what he's actually going to look like. Um, he was a lot more of a brief uh, glimpse and it was at a distance as he kind of hooks Sojourn, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a lot harder to actually see what he's going to look like there um, but it's cool nonetheless um, that we're kind of getting these little teases and you know you'd have to be crazy to think they don't know what they're doing right they're they're purposely interspersing those into this video because they want to show off things and they want us to be talking about more and more they don't just want this to be focused on sojourn obviously you know regardless of the fact that it is focused on sojourn they want us to be you know sleuthing and grabbing those little details that not everyone's going to pick up and obviously drumming up the hut. There you go. This video, very hype. This, in my opinion, is exactly what they should be doing. This is the kind of content that, although I understand it is more highly produced than something like maybe a Twitch stream, I think this is what they should have been doing for these, you know, the past two months. Um, as I've talked about on, you know, even my most recent episode, uh, they had a really good opportunity to have a release cadence of some of these videos where sort of every two weeks leading up to the final week where the Overwatch League kicks off, they had a really good chance to space out videos showing things off, um, starting, you know, whenever that was and then going every two weeks or if they really could do it every one week um, and just being like, here's a video of Sojourn, here's a video of whoever, here's a video of whoever, and just kind of highlighting things, not even necessarily characters. They could have done, I've talked about this many times, they could have done maps, they could have done abilities, they could have done game modes, they could have done the casters, anything like that. Um, but I digress. This is exactly what I think they should be doing going forward and what we will hopefully see more of. Now, of course, this is a great opportunity to, to talk about the fact that this developer update came out on April 15th with the live stream on April 14th. That was one of the dates that I had theorized they would be releasing a video on. Now, I do think they're probably planning to reduce, reduce, to release one more uh, developer update or Twitch live stream. I don't know if they do both again um, before the start of the Overwatch League. Obviously, one week out from those dates would be this coming Thursday, Friday. I don't think they're going to do that. They generally have not done anything one week apart. Best guess would be the 28th, 29th. If they do that, that sets them up nicely to then the following week just dive into the Overwatch League. 
um, you know, give us a glimpse at something more 28th, 29th, so that we know, you know, something that we know is going to be in the Overwatch League is going to be available. Maybe show off the changes to something like Orisa or Doomfist, given we will literally be seeing them played uh, the following week. I think that would be a great idea. Um, even if they just maybe do something like... Uh, have a pre-recorded show match between, you know, a bunch of Overwatch League professionals. Um, even if they only give us, you know, 20 minutes of that match, make it a push game mode on Toronto or on a new Queen Street um, or Monte Carlo or something like that. Um, and just have these teams going at it and have them playing characters like Sojourn and Doomfist and Orisa and Sombra. Um, some of these characters that we know are having reworks and that we know will be available when the league starts. So I digress. Cross your fingers that we'll see something along the way. Moving on from there, let's move back to the Overwatch League side of things with an article from April 18th, that's today as of recording, on DottieSports.com by Liz Richardson, which reads, Florida Mayhem parts ways with DPS Mirror. The team has decided to tweak the roster before the season begins. Just weeks before the fifth Overwatch League season is set to begin, the Florida Mayhem is making adjustments to its roster based on scrimmage results. The team announced today that it's parting ways with DPS Mirror, who was acquired last November as the Mayhem rebuilt its roster. Mirror formerly played for the Los Angeles Gladiators for two years and was the first player to play all three Overwatch roles in a single series, a testament to his flexibility in multiple team positions. The decision to drop Mirror from the roster was based on realizations the team made while practicing over the past few months, especially on the Overwatch 2 client, according to a tweet from General Manager Albert Yeh. Yeh posted that the team, quote, needed to tweak the roster in a slightly different direction after getting familiar with Overwatch 2, quote, Initially, we wanted Mirror to be a potential all-role player, but as we scrimmed, we realized we wouldn't be able to utilize him, he said. Florida has built an international and incredibly flexible roster over the past few months, which could explain the team's decision to drop Checkmate, who played both DPS and Tank for the Mayhem in 2021, remains on the team alongside rookie DPS Hydron. With three supports and rookie someone on the tank role, all of the team's needs may have already been covered. The fifth season of the Overwatch League will be played on an early build of the sequel, which completely removes a tank slot to make the game a 5 versus 5 Multiple heroes will have reworks and metas will likely require, will likely shift sorry, will likely quickly shift as this season progresses. So there you go, a little bit of an announcement for the Florida Mayhem fans out there, uh, myself included, of course. And that, of course, means that Florida currently has two tanks, uh, only one official hit scan DPS, one official flex DPS, one main support, and then, of course, two flex support players with, uh, I'm not sure if, if I even covered it in my last episode, uh, Kareev joining the flex support, Sir Mahed, Sir Majed, who uh, supposedly might be having visa issues with ping issues uh, as he is from Saudi Arabia, if I'm not mistaken. So... Interesting that they're dropping Mirror on the Flex DPS, given they only or they also had Checkmate over there, and they only technically have Hydron on Hitscan DPS. So right now, it appears as though they only have two DPS players. They have Hydron on Hitscan, they have Checkmate on Flex. But the rumor, which I actually didn't pull an article on, but the rumor is that Exe might be joining the Florida Mayhem on the Hitscan role, which means you'd have Exe and Hydron on Hitscan DPS and Checkmate on Flex DPS. We know Checkmate has some flexibility. Um, we've seen him play Tank, although it wasn't stellar. Um, you know, supposedly the rumor is that he can play it. And having two players on Hitscan DPS, uh, especially with one of them being Exe, there's potential that Hydron might be able to flex over to Flex DPS, and we might see a little bit of interplay there. So, 
I'm quite looking forward to seeing the Florida Mayhem play. Do I necessarily think they're going to be one of the highest uh, performers in the league? I do not. Do I think they're going to be, you know, bottom five? One, two, three, four, five. If I look at my power rankings right now, I do not. A um, little bit of a teaser for my for my power rankings episode with Ready, Set, Poem. Um, I, I'm excited to see Florida. I think they've got that X factor, which of course is their coach, Gunba. Um, I think he has a knack for taking uh taking you know what he's the resources he he's given and making it work so i'm pretty excited to see what florida is able moving on from there we're going to head over to our final news story of the week which reads overwatch 2 job listing confirms new anti-cheat features in sequel this is going to be an article from dexerto by michael gwilliam on april 18th as the Overwatch 2 beta is set to finally launch on April 26th, there has been a lot of discussion about the state of the live game and how many cheaters continue to plague the ranked ladder. With the issues raging in Overwatch 1, many have voiced concerns about how cheaters will affect the upcoming sequel. And it seems like Blizzard is preparing for a new wave of hackers looking for an unfair advantage. In an official job listing, Blizzard has specified that they want to develop anti-cheat features in Overwatch 2 and add some much-needed security. The job listing titled Senior Software Engineer Gameplay Bracket Anti-Cheat, Blizzard outlined exactly what they want to fight back against hackers. Quote, the ideal candidate has proven experience in multiplayer game systems and game security, the listing stated. Quote, they should be excited at the idea of working deep in the game architecture to create fast, extensible solutions to anti-cheat security. Additionally, Blizzard said that they expect the candidate to, quote, design and develop gameplay features across client and server to mitigate cheating and abuse. End quote. One of the things they're also looking for is someone with experience, quote, securing applications, game cheating, or client network exploitation, end quote. It's not clear exactly what Blizzard has in store for players with its anti-cheat and how extreme it could be in comparison to, for instance, Riot Games and Vanguard. So it will be interesting to see how big of an issue cheating is with the upcoming Overwatch 2 beta and how Blizzard will improve the situation once the game is. So there you have it. That's uh, just a little bit of an interesting tidbit about the development of Overwatch 2. Of course, they're going to need anti-cheat in there, um, especially in today's day and age with things like crossplay cross being ever more prevalent in these uh, competitive shooter games. Um, it is interesting, actually, because that's one thing I definitely don't hear talked about. Um, almost, I, I don't think I've ever seen it or heard it talked about ever. Um, it's the fact that with all of these crossplay features now coming into play, allowing console to play with PC and things like that, um, and obviously cross consoles as well um the two things that i've actually noticed being a primarily a console player the two things that i've actually noticed since those uh uh whatever i don't know uh enablements has been one an increase in lag spikes so although i never saw this uh when playing on console before um i now see a lot of rubber banding happening um, which is really interesting because in the past when I did play uh, shooters on PC, I would see that more frequently and I had kind of forgotten about it because it's been so long. Um, and then suddenly with crossplay enabled and everything like that, when I'm playing with PC players, I do notice that you get a lot of rubber banding and you get a lot more uh, of those lag spikes where suddenly you're walking on the same spot for 10 seconds and you kind of snap too. Um, and all of a sudden everything shifts and happens really quickly and suddenly you're dead. Um, but the other one is cheaters. Um, you know, given that console is obviously a more closed ecosystem, you don't typically, I think, see a lot of cheating on console. Um, 
you know, I, I'm unless you consider using a mouse and keyboard on console cheating, which, hey, if the console lets you do it, then it's not really cheating, if you ask me, um, without the, you know, use of additional mods or, or hacks or things like that. But um, that is one thing that, you know, watching Overwatch gameplay and everything like that, you do see an uptick in now. And I, I almost think in a lot of ways, it's uh, cheaters taking advantage of the console players too, because it's even easier to cheat against the console player. Um, although, you know, cheating is cheating. Um, but anyways, it's good to see that they're looking at, uh, you know, beefing up the security on this side of things. I know cheating is a big problem in a leave war zone, uh, which obviously is another Activision Blizzard uh, product. So hopefully they're able to sort of take some learnings from that, um, implement them across. I know they continue to struggle with that. So I don't know many people that would say they're doing a good job in war zone of combating that. So hopefully they can make some serious strides and really kind of get ahead of this uh, issue. All right, and with that, we've reached the end of the show, so let's move on out to the outro where we will talk about what's coming for next week. You might not want to tell your friends about that. All right, so that was episode 70 of One Man Watchpoint. Now, before I actually get into the outro, of course, as I mentioned, uh, this episode will be going live on April 20th. We are actually recording on April 18th. Of course, as we move into the start of the next uh, or the fifth season of the Overwatch League, we will, of course, be going back to a weekly format. Um, so... Hopefully there will be uh, <laughs> a little bit less news to talk about than these past couple weeks. Obviously, we've been dying and begging for news um, because, you know, lots of news makes for a good show. However, of course, we'll also be moving back into covering uh, sort of the, the events of the Overwatch League from the past season. Now, I'm not too sure what exactly that format is going to look like just yet. Um, in past seasons, I would uh, sort of go over or touch on each game, just give a sort of quick breakdown. Um, I did try to at least watch some of almost every game. Uh, that obviously becomes challenging, uh, balancing life, work life, etc., etc. Um, work life in the Overwatch League, you could say. So I don't know if I'll fully be going into that. I will still probably, um, you know, cover all of the the teams and the, the matches just in in way of saying what the scores were and how it kind of broke down that kind of thing just a brief overview um but i might be doing a more focused look at what matches i actually have a chance to really watch over the uh the weekends that uh these so um we'll be figuring that out alongside now this episode again is recording on actually monday the 18th but we'll be posting on april uh wednesday april the 20th so that's probably what the format is going to be looking like because of course as i've mentioned before i'm also on the ready set pwn podcast which also records on tuesdays so it was nice during the off season because both podcasts went to a uh, every two week rotation kind of thing so as you know if you're an avid listener of this show i would record um for example uh, ready set pwn on the 12th of april then one week later on the 19th i would record one man watch point then the following week on the tuesday as well i would record ready set pwn again and it worked out really well in the off season but now we find um, both of ourselves hoping to record on Tuesdays. So Ready Set Pwn is going to still record on Tuesdays and post on Wednesdays, but I'm going to be bumping One Man Watchpoint over to recording on Mondays and posting still on the Wednesdays. So you'll be getting a double dose of Sir Dr. JM if you listen to Ready Set Pwn and One Man Watchpoint, uh, both coming out on Wednesdays. 
a um, little bit different formats. And obviously on Ready, Set, Pwn, we've got a couple more guests uh, or a couple uh, other participants there uh, to spur the conversation. If you. So um, it's a good time. And ultimately, I'm glad I can still fit both in. Uh, but you'll certainly see a little bit of overlap in terms of what we cover there. With all of that said, uh, this Wednesday, you'll be getting this episode of One Man Watchpoint, and you'll also be getting the Power Rankings episode of Ready, Set, Pwn. So this will be the first week of a double dose, but next week, Ready, Set, Pwn will be recording again, but One Man Watchpoint won't. I don't I don't really see any point in going back to weekly just yet for One Man Watchpoint, um, and especially given I'm not doing Power Rankings episode of One Man Watchpoint. So... Uh, Ready, Set, Pwn will drop this week and next, whereas One Man Watchpoint will be this week, and then the final episode before the Overwatch League season starts will be on May 4th, uh, recording technically on the 2nd. So at that point, once we reach May, uh, Ready, Set, Pwn and One Man Watchpoint will both be going back to weekly podcasts, um, both dropping on Wednesdays as you are used to, um, so look forward to that there. Now, outside of that, I don't think I have a ton to mention um, other than the fact that, of course, keep your eye out uh, on your mailboxes. April 26th, I believe, is the date for that uh, Overwatch League. uh, No, sorry, for the Overwatch 2 beta access to be going out. Um, My insider knowledge, hint, hint, wink, wink, tells me that if you have been given or will be given an invite into the beta, you should uh, check your email and it may or may not have a deadline of acceptance by April 20th. Let me repeat that. If you applied through the content creators or potentially through the open signup, I'm not too sure, um, route, then check your email because you might have an invite uh, or a form to fill out before April 20th if you want to still be eligible and given access to the Overwatch 2. That's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, But hopefully around April 26th when things kick off um, in terms of Overwatch 2 moving into a more open beta. I don't think it's technically an open beta just yet. I think it is uh, moving from alpha to beta kind of thing. But again, I've talked about how I disagree with the use of both of those terms, but whatever. Um, I believe or I hope that we will be getting uh, some announcements about what exactly uh, you're allowed to do in way of streaming the beta in that nutshell. So, with all of that said, this has been episode 70 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed your stay here. I will, of course, introduce myself once again. I'm your host, at Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So please reach out to me on Twitter. Follow me, uh, DM me, tweet at me. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries, questions. I already said questions, but whatever. Anything you want me to talk about on the show as it relates to the Overwatch League, uh, Overwatch 1, Overwatch 2, characters the dev team, press cycle, whatever you've got, or other video games in general. I love to talk video games, and I would be happy to bring more of that to the show. So reach out to me, especially on Twitter, at SirDoctor. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And check out Ready, Set, Pwn's Power Rankings, releasing this Wednesday on April uh, April 20th featuring none other than your host of One Man Watchpoint, Sir Doctor. Thanks so much for listening, and we will, of course, catch you in two weeks' time, right before the Overwatch League Season 5 kicks off.
you've been discharged.